Kia ora and welcome to Green MPs in the Podcast, a weekly podcast interview series where we put your questions to the Green Party MPs and find out a bit more about what excites and inspires them. everybody, thank you for joining us. It's Marama Davidson here actually. Um, Gareth has been running an amazing series of podcast um, interviews with our MPs. I have got the pleasure, I actually asked, um, if I could interview Gareth, um, who I think remains our last MP to be interviewed. So, um, Marama Davidson, Green MP, I'm here with Gareth Hughes, who is our spokesperson for energy and resources, science and innovation, tertiary education, skills and employment, broadcasting and Wellington issues. Whew. Um, thank you very much, Gareth, for letting me be the interviewer this time. Oh, well, um, thanks, Marama. Kia ora. Um, it's awesome. nice to be on the other side of the table. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was awesome interviewing all the MPs and I'm stoked to have you interview me, so thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, so um, we're going to start off with one of the things that has been topical this week. We announced the Greens would not be standing a candidate in Wahariu, and that is your previous electorate. So um, what's that about, Gareth? Yeah, well, uh, look, you've even had Mike Hosking come out and say, the Greens get it, smart politics, good politics, so I guess Whoa. that's good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I stood there in 2008 and 2011, yeah. and it's a, it's a great electorate. We've got a fantastic branch. It's really good for us in terms of party vote, and that's the vote that gets Green MPs elected to Parliament. Yeah. But the two times I stood, my personal vote was higher than Peter Dunn's majority. Last election, the Green candidate, again, the candidate vote was higher than Peter Dunn's majority. Wow. So, That's look, amazing. for us, it's a strategic issue. Yep. It's an automatic extra seat advantage for National. It's much like the Zombie Party Act, where yeah. they manipulate the electorate to get their candidate and an extra seat in Parliament. So, look, I really support it. It's smart. The Greens are still going to campaign on the ground in a hurry for those all-important party votes. Look, we're all about changing the government in this election, as you know, uh, and this is us playing politics, not tiddlywings. Awesome. Thank you, Gareth. Hey, listen, um, I've really enjoyed talking about uh, my personal journey when you interviewed me. Um, So one of the things, Gareth, when you came into politics, you were at the time the youngest MP, I believe, in 2010. Um, And also, um, I think think you may have had one small baby at that time and have had another one since. Is yeah, Arlo right? was uh, my son, who's now nine, Was yeah, he would have been two. Uh, I used to joke that even if I wasn't the youngest MP, I was still the youngest looking. Yeah, but I've sure. grown a beard, so I don't get ID'd <laughs> when I'm buying beer or anything anymore, so I can't even say that. But it was cool to be the, the youngest MP, and I never really felt that people judged me based on my age. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, as we've seen with some other comments around all the great Green candidates... Some commentators are saying, we don't want a parliament full of 20 and 30 year olds. We know we're near it. In terms of, there's I think one MP in their 20s at the moment, yeah. a handful in their 30s, we need a whole lot more yeah. to just be representative. And it's meant to be the House of Representatives. Awesome. Um, so uh, a, a few sort of personal questions, just to give our listeners and I a, a bit more of a flavour about you. Where were you born and what was it like growing up? Yeah, well I was born in the Gisborne Hospital. Uh, Yay, Gizzy! 81. Um, yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was a great place to, to grow up. You know, it was just a pretty normal family. Dad worked at the freezing works. Um, uh, Mum's on the DPB for a long time. Now works at the Bendon factory, uh, which is where much of the country's you know, socks and stuff comes from. So, you know, just, a, just a, a normal family with a brother and a sister and some older stepsisters who taught me to smoke cigarettes and do naughty things when I was in high school. 
things. Normal things. <laughs> you know, I wasn't really... I, I describe myself as a bit of a bogan banter because I cared yeah. more about changing the engine on my Mark 1 Ford Escort, red, lowered, yeah. mag wheels. Um, that, that was what I was into in high school. And, you know, I guess how I made the jump to politics was that, you know, Dad alongside hundreds and hundreds of men lost their jobs as the freezing works closed. Right. We saw the, the mother of all budgets affect my mother and her DPB, which was slashed. So I saw politics, which I didn't care about at all, really impact my community. Yeah. So I guess when I went off to university in Wellington, I thought, gee, I'd better get involved in politics. I don't want politics to happen to me. Yeah, that's amazing. And actually, um, you've sort of touched on um, a little bit about what you like to do outside of work with your <laughs> little bit of a bogan background. But I know for a fact you're also a bit of a keen gamer. Yeah, well, look, I, I love games, always have. Um, uh, I got the latest um, virtual reality headset for the PS4, which I'm absolutely loving. And yeah. Recently, we're supporting some of our great export game development companies from New Zealand over at the largest um, games convention in Melbourne last year. And it's just incredible, the the ingenuity, the creativity of Kiwi gamers. And look, we're making hundreds of millions of dollars of exports. But if we could do it like Finland, we'd yeah. be talking about billions of dollars of exports and thousands and thousands of jobs. So we talk about sort of the, the smart economy. This is a great example of it. Yeah, because I think that's something that you're very clear on and consistent on is our thriving ICT sector, um, which of course is why you have the portfolios that you do. Um, but also it's New Zealand stories. You know, I yeah. want to see New Zealand stories on yeah. our games. And often I think you can think of culture as only like ballet or the orchestra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lot richer than Good that. Good point. It's richer and deeper. Thanks, Gareth. Listen, um, one of the listeners, while we're sort of into your, into your personal background, um, has asked... And, and what I like about this question is because women are often asked it, and certainly I often am, what advice would you give to anyone considering a career in politics who have young children? Oh, it's a good question. And you know, it's ironic because I don't get asked it yeah. because I'm a dad. I mean, quite literally, as we sit here in my parliamentary office, my kids are in the next yeah. room and I'm terrified they're going <laughs> to you know, make a noise and interrupt the podcast. No one asked me because yeah, I'm a dad, but yeah. it's been a, a central part of uh, who I am and what I've been doing in Parliament. I wrote a lot about it for the spin-off, about sort of juggling right. the feelings of not being a good enough dad when you're focusing on work, and yeah. vice versa, not being a good enough politician when everyone's judging you and ranking you uh, when you're spending time with your kids. So, look, all I can say is it's been a challenge, but a, a, a deeply rewarding one, because I, I think I'm a better MP for yeah. going home at night and putting them to bed before I come back and... Instead of hitting the bar at Bellamy's. Yeah. <laughs> what advice would I have? It's I think it's crucial, you know, if you've got a partner, to, to yeah. sh- shared expectations. Yeah. Uh, I made the, the tough choice because I was living in Auckland when I was elected to move to Wellington. So I'm so much more privileged than so many other MPs, like you, who's mm. got to travel to see mm. your kids. Mm. I at least get to see my kids every night and I get to drop them off at school and... Yeah. That's made it really uh, a big difference for my family. Yeah, and I have to appreciate actually, um, as one of the other um, parents of young children, is your commitment to trying to have some balance. When we know this is the most unbalanced job you can ever have, but I've really admired your commitment to that. Um, Gareth, I, I want to ask this one, another one from our sort of internet listeners, um, who asks, what has been your favourite protest to be involved in? And how many times have you been arrested? <laughs> oh. Well, I've only been arrested twice. There and go. there's lots of protests to pick from. Uh, look, the, the favourite um, action I've been involved with was when we were uh, trying to get McDonald's to get rid of GE fed chicken. 
this was in the mid-2000s, and I was coordinating a campaign where we um, hit McDonald's stalls all around the countries with these people in chicken suits singing the chicken dance song, Excellent. handing out unhappy meals. <laughs> uh, and after a few weeks of that, we thought, oh, we need to ramp it up a bit. So I dressed up as Ronald McDonald, chained myself to the Auckland distribution facility, <laughs> shut it down, uh, and was arrested dressed as Ronald McDonald with the mugshots and all <laughs> That's that. That's amazing. And, but it was incredible because the next day these newspaper clippings started being sent to us from like Israel and Brazil and all around the world. So it was sort of pre-viral internet, it but it kind of went viral on the old-fashioned <laughs> newspapers. Awesome. And two days later, McDonald's completely went G-free. So well, it, it was it, a lot of fun a, and a great it was campaign. Yeah, awesome. And speaking of viral, Gareth, I want to get you to talk about this one. I'll own up to this question. Um, you've had um, one of our most sort of far-reaching and successful uh, social media posts and uh, one of your speeches, I guess many people found it pretty hardcore um you know straight to the point real real talk calling out the government um do you want to talk to us a little bit about um how you approached that and some of the impacts and reach that it has had since yeah well this was a response to john key when he was the prime minister and every year parliament starts off with a thing called debate on the prime minister's statement uh, where you get to talk about anything and look, I was just sitting in Parliament the night before I was to speak, sort of hearing the debate, and everyone sort of just had their mm. talking points issued by the national advisers, and no one was actually talking about anything uh, particularly topical. So I sort of sat there thinking, well, really, we're, we're talking about key statement. What's yeah. Key's legacy going to be? Yeah. So that's what I went through uh, in the speech and stayed up all night writing it, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. And it was just amazing that it resonated with, with some people. Uh, well, thousands and hundreds of thousands of people. <laughs> well, I've never seen uh, a video or any of my speeches do this, but it had like 800,000 views yeah. uh, in a couple of days. Uh, so it was really awesome that it, a lot of people said it was what they wanted to see. Yeah. So that was really yep. um, a great experience. You, I think, often think that speech making is dead. Yeah, but it's yeah. actually it's still it's still alive and well, and people want to see you know honest, authentic speeches. People call you know you called it hard hitting, but I worked really hard to make sure I wasn't using any personal insults. Actually, or... you didn't. Yeah, I think when I talk about hard hitting, um, and I notice you've done it just this week. Um, you've just been really uh, honest about what is happening, calling it for what it is. Um, without at all having to be uh, personally or insulting anybody. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the ponytail thing was disturbing, but the, when you look at the evidence, just the actions, yeah. you don't have to just call names about ponytail pulling. Yeah. Yeah. The evidence itself is damning, and all yeah. I did was simply present all the facts yeah, of what's did. happened under the government and let people make their own minds up. Awesome. Um, I think this is the time where we come to the musical interlude. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope you've got, I hope you've got your music... Um, uh, sorted there, Gareth. What is your favourite song and why do you love it? Well, it's been the favourite part of the podcast is finding <laughs> out what other MPs yeah. are into listening. Um, the one I'm going to pick is the song I've been hammering for the last couple of years. It's called Bury Us Alive by STRFKR. Whoa! Uh, they're a, an American indie band and I was fortunate enough to see them in Portland, Oregon last year. Awesome. They've got this great um, gig where they all dress up in spacesuits and then people were crowd surfing on these giant inflatable swans. And <laughs> uh, They've got just fantastic music and I love it. Cool, let's hear it.
Okay, so um, Gareth, back to some of the political priorities. You have already talked a little bit on what your visions are around our ICT sector. Um, you're a spokesperson for a number of other portfolios, including energy and resources, science and innovation, tertiary education, uh, skills and employment, broadcasting, and Wellington issues. Did you just want to, um, you know, have have a talk to us about what your priority is for this election, for this term, um, and uh, you know, and what do you think our big issues are? Yeah, well, they're all related, and yeah. I guess that the the big picture is that we can have a richer New Zealand. Uh, you know, what we've seen over the course of my and your lifetime is we've fallen down the economic rankings. Yeah. You know, we're working harder and longer for less than we did decades ago. Generation locked out of housing. So we need some proper economic answers. And when you put it all together, this is the formula for New Zealand. It's about investing in research and development. Yeah. We're in the bottom half of the developed world at the moment. We need to get that up. Yeah. We need to be investing in tertiary education, but nationals cut it and put up fees. So students yeah. are paying more. The government's paying less in real terms. And it's about the, the science um, going forward. So take energy, here's another area where we're seeing massive growth in terms of solar, electric vehicles, new technology. Nationals just picked on the, the mining side of it, trying to hope that we find some oil deep off our coasts and doesn't make too Clutching. much of a spill. Yeah. Yet we know clean energy creates four times more jobs. Yeah. So when you put it together, it's a portfolios and my focus has been on a richer New Zealand through research, development, science, clean energy, innovation. Uh, in terms of energy, it's one of my loves. Yeah. Um, I didn't really get to leave Gisborne at all growing up, but I won a Royal Society essay competition arguing why nuclear power was bad <laughs> when I was, I don't know, 15 or something. <laughs> and I got flown to Wellington my first time on a plane to, to meet a whole bunch of scientists. So energy's always sort of been a passion yeah, of mine. Yeah. What I'm focusing on now is making sure people get a fair go with solar, we aren't opening new coal mines, we prohibit risky deep sea oil drilling, we don't need fracking, but we can be growing jobs in this area. So, and to sum it up, it's cleaner, cheaper, smarter energy. Speaking of, thank you. And I can't wait, this is one of the final sort of um, listener questions that got sent in. And I wanna ask it because I don't even understand it. So you have been asked, what's the strangest thing you've made in a fab lab, and when do Tesla bring house batteries to New Zealand? I don't huh. even know if that's one question or two. No, it's two questions. <laughs> and I think the Tesla batteries are coming really soon. Vector's okay. bringing them in, the Auckland Lines Company, which is awesome. The strangest thing I've made in a fab lab, well, I'm such a tragic politician, but when <laughs> we were launching the um, 3D printing policy last yep. election, I got to work with the most expensive, I think it's $2.3 million, a titanium printer in Tauranga. Wow. And they printed these awesome functional spanners with the slogan, printing our future for the paper. Oh, so I've got a few of these um, ultra strong uh, spanners in my office, which Ross and Norman tried, and he's a big guy, to, to, break. to break and he couldn't. <laughs> so it was kind of cool to be able to hand them out to yeah, people. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Okay, we're going to do the rapid fire question, so I'm just going to go for it. Um, here we go. Where do you live? Uh, Karori, Wellington. What's your pet's name? Uh, Jove, he's a German Shepherd. Uh, I get to walk him twice a day. <laughs> uh, favourite recipe to cook? Favourite recipe? Uh, barbecue. Yeah. Um, what's the name of, this is good, what's the name of the private members bill you have in the ballot? It's the Education Student Allowances Availability Amendment Bill. Basically I'm trying to bring back postgrad student allowances, which Stephen Joyce 
uh, cruelly took away. But I do have a bill in front of Parliament yeah. which is going to give a vote in a couple of weeks, yeah. which is faster into homes. It's all about giving people the choice, if you've got a student loan, to divert some or all of your compulsory student loan repayments into a first home savings yeah. account. Awesome. Um, worst job you've ever done? Worst job? Uh, probably a hospital cleaner. Uh, yeah, it was a lot of cleaning and you can imagine <laughs> the stuff I was cleaning. Yeah. And we thank you. Um, who is an MP in another party you most respect? Well, everyone sort of said David Parker. Um, I think I'd probably echo that. Yeah. He's always great to engage with on uh, you know, an intellectual level. And yeah. He seems pretty onto it. Cool. And favourite movie? Favourite movie. It's a hard one, I it know. It is a hard movie. Um, probably uh, Pacific Rim. Oh, yeah, it's fair enough. not like an art house film. It's not going to win any Academy Awards. It's big, silly fun. Yeah, and my son loves it. Yeah. And if there's one film we love to sit down and watch together and play as we jump on the tramp, yeah. that's that, it. Awesome. Um, what book are you reading at the moment? Uh, I've forgotten the author's name, but it's called Debt. Um, I studied history at university, and it's something I love. And this book charts the history of money and debt for the last 5,000 oh, years. Wow. So. Um, okay, what did you study? I did religious studies and history at Victoria University. Cool. And finally, what's in your handbag or bag that you carry everywhere? Well, I don't carry a handbag, but <laughs> I've got like my black cactus backpack, which I take everywhere. You do. And, uh, it's chocker. I've got like my toiletry bag. Every year, uh, I always carry like, a writing book. Yep. Um, I carry a portable microphone in case I want to do some audio recording. I've yep. got a portable tripod which is always in there oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, whole bunch of USB sticks uh, car, you know phone charger whole bunch of pins phone charger <laughs> cool thank you um, awesome thank you Gareth for your time um, and I've really enjoyed having the opportunity to be the interviewer in this situation so we're gonna wrap up and I'd really love for you to share with us your your sort of 30 second vision and pitch um, for where we're going and where we need to go yeah, thanks, Marabout. It's been awesome to um, have your questions today, and thanks to all the listeners. Look, my pitch, quite simply, is it's election year. It's critical. We face a real question going forward as a country, what's happening. All my life, and many New Zealanders, we've grown up under this near-level revolution where jobs have gone overseas, pollution's gone up, debt's gone up. Uh, we're working harder for less. It's just not working. Mm. We need to question the direction of the country. This year could be a big change year. We could change direction. And what I'm arguing for is change for good. How about a government with policies to do good, that's standing up for human rights, that's reducing pollution, that's growing those modern, smart, clean jobs. And let's do it for good, a transformational shift. So we've got big questions. It's not just business as usual versus a tiny little change. We could be the heart of a good new government with change for good. And I believe we've got a special guest who's going to sign us off. I hope you love our other podcasts. Choice. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Zoe. Awesome. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks, Zoe. <laughs>